Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best value registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. The only way that you restore broken trust is consistent changed behavior over time. So if you're going to consistently change behavior, you have to start being a person of your word. You're listening to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about strengthening the relationships that mean the most to you. I'm Jill Savage, and I live in normal Illinois. I'm committed to talking honestly about the messy, less than perfect, but normal stuff of life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the No More Perfect Podcast. I am so grateful for those of you that have taken the time to rate, review, and subscribe to the No More Perfect podcast because you're helping to share the love. You're helping people to find our program and to uh, make sure that they have uh, the information and the resources they need uh, to help them in the relationships that mean the most to us. So today I have my hubby joining me. Hey, Hey, Mark. Hey, how's it going? Oh, so glad to have him joining me today. And um, today we are going to launch in uh, to a topic that we often explore in our marriage coaching, but we've never done a podcast episode on it. Mm. And so that topic is the topic of broken trust. Um, But often we associate the words broken trust with infidelity. Right. And it's really not limited to infidelity at all, but so many people are shocked to think that what they're struggling with is really broken trust. Right. Um, And we find that when we are doing our marriage intensives, when we are doing um, our marriage coaching, we'll be talking through dynamics and we'll even say, so in essence, what you're saying is that your that he has broken your trust or she has broken your trust because of this. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you see the light bulb kind of go on and they go, Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. My, I've never thought about it being broken trust, but it, but it is right. And so that's why we decided that we really wanted to uh, do a podcast episode on this so that we can identify places, ways that maybe we unknowingly break trust mm-hmm. in our marriage mm-hmm. and um, and honestly, even in other relationships. Right. And really, our hope today is that from this conversation, you'll open your mind a little bit to l- really look at your own life and, and weigh in, gosh, am I breaking trust? Yeah. 
am I breaking trust with my kids? Am I breaking trust with my spouse? Am, mm-hmm. Right. But um, uh, specifically, we're going to look at it through the lens of marriage. But please apply it to all relationships, uh, because really trust is the foundation of a relationship. Right. Because if we can't trust each other, then that foundation cracks. And sometimes the little breaks of trust, they're just tiny. Mm-hmm. And we don't even recognize them as little breaks, but they are slowly eroding that foundation in some way, shape, or form. So with that in mind, we know that infidelity breaks trust, uh, whether it's emotional infidelity or physical infidelity, both break trust. We're going to assume that and we're going to assume that we all understand that. And now we're going to dig into 12 other ways that trust can be broken in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And so uh, with that in mind, the first one is control. Wow. Yeah. Being controlling in a relationship. That's an important one because control limits our spouse from being who they are or from having their perspective or their thoughts, their ideas. Mm -hmm. Right. And so uh, a lot of times we control out of fear. Mm -hmm. Um, We control to get our way. Uh, We control out of pride. I was thinking that, that thinking our way is the only way or our ideas are the only ideas. Right. When we are controlling in the relationship, it will begin to 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 break our spouse's uh, trust because we're controlling an outcome. We're controlling what happens. And so they can't trust us to value their input. Mm -hmm. They can't trust us uh, to value their perspective or even a difference of opinion, right? their knowledge, their experience. It's all about ours, our knowledge, our experience, mm-hmm. our wants, our desires. Yeah. Control is really a vicious animal, really, mm-hmm. that is aggressive at stopping people, stopping individuals, our spouses, our kids from, from engaging in the relationship. And I think that Commonly, we see that one person is strong, possibly controlling. One person is more silent and not controlling. Mm -hmm. And that person who's more silent or passive shuts down and eventually out of their own choice because they don't know what to do with the control. They'll harden their heart and become bitter and eventually isolate themselves from the one who's controlling. And then the one who's controlling tries to control more and it just creates a very nasty cycle in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Right. So being controlling in a relationship is a way that trust can be broken in marriage. Um, Something that's somewhat closely related to that uh, is our second uh, way that trust can be broken outside of infidelity. And that is to parent your spouse. Right. So it it is when we parent our spouse, it is a form of control. Mm-hmm. Um, but it happens so often that uh, we really um, we need to understand it in and of its own self, because 
this often happens particularly where women parent men right in the marriage relationship yeah and that parenting when you parent another spouse it really puts yourself in a very odd authority over your spouse which is not the way god designed the marriage relationship at all mm-hmm. and and many times we'll justify our posture of parenting as if it's good or uh necessary they, yeah they made me do it and in reality that's your it's, own way of breaking trust in relationship yeah and it's a, a cycle too yeah um because you parent then mm-hmm. you parent your spouse and then honestly then your spouse in response often acts like a child right and it becomes this uh cycle that mm-hmm. is um unhealthy and it it keeps you there and mm-hmm. So, um, and that was a dynamic that was happening in our 1.0 relationship. So Mm. if you haven't listened to any of our previous episodes, Mark and I had a crisis um, in our marriage 10 years ago, and um, that's when infidelity happened in our relationship. So trust was broken um, uh, with infidelity, but that was also when our eyes were open to how trust can be broken outside of infidelity. Right. Because I began to realize how I had broken your trust mm-hmm. and I was faithful in the marriage, but I had still broken your trust in, in some ways. And one way that I had broken your trust was in parenting you. Mm-hmm. And so treating you like one of the kids um, and not like an equal partner. Right. Right. And, um, and I, and that had happened for many, many years and you had really stewed on that and it had, it was a breaking, got to a breaking point for it you. It did. I, uh, I stewed on it and that became bitterness and, eventually out of not knowing what to do. And I totally did the wrong thing in so many different ways. Uh, I hinted, I was hoping that you could read my mind. I tried all these unhealthy ways of helping you hear me, but I wasn't direct because I didn't believe I had a voice. And which that wasn't a as much a problem in our marriage as it was, it went way back to your childhood. Right, right. I mean, I wasn't helping it by parenting. Right. For sure. But, but I didn't create that. No. Um, that came with the Mark Savage package that you married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Surprise. <laughs> that was the the, the baggage that, was, <laughs> yeah. that you were dragging along behind. I know. We didn't know about it that yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. Do you hear something? I think it's baggage. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't hear anything. But, you know, a place that this often start is, you know, a lot of times people are like, I don't parent my spouse. If you have ever said or quite frankly thought that, you know, you don't have four kids, you have five kids because all of a sudden you're counting your spouse mm-hmm. in with your kids. Or if somebody says, how many kids do you have? Oh, I have three kids, four if you count my husband. Right. Um, that is a a perfect example of parenting your spouse. Even mm. saying that breaks trust. Right. Because it also further cements the idea in your mind that your your spouse is a child. 
And I think sometimes we can know we're parenting our our spouse when we're saying, I always have to correct everything they do. I don't even know why I ask them to do anything because they never do it right. And it's just those thought that thinking impacts our behaviors and that thinking is very destructive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, being controlling in the relationship, parenting your spouse. All right. Here's another way that trust is broken. Not being emotionally present. Mm-hmm. Not being emotionally present. So this is when um, we're we're distracted. Uh, we're not tuned in. Right. Um, we don't pay attention to the little things. Mm -hmm. And I may not get this exactly right, but I know that when John Gottman did some research, they did a, they did a research on, they kind of uh, observed couples and when, and this is where they developed the concept of that couples bid for attention for one another. Right. And there was one experiment that was done that was um, when a couple, when somebody in the, you know, one spouse or another would say, Hey, check out that bird. And when the other spouse, so that was a bid for connection. Right. Right. And when the other spouse would, would come and look at that and say, Oh, check it out. Oh my goodness. There was connection there, but when they didn't, so then they, they were not in essence, emotionally present. Mm-hmm. Then it, mm-hmm. it was a predictor of the relationship, not making it right. Um, and so what we want to be is we want to be emotionally present with one another. We want to be tuned in. We want to care about the things that our spouse cares about, even if we don't care about them, mm-hmm. care about the bird, even if we don't care about the bird. Right. Right. <laughs> because yeah. we care. And you and I often say this, like, you know, Mark doesn't love to go walk, but I love to walk but he loves me. So I love to walk. <laughs> we, uh, we both do that. And I mm-hmm. would say that early in our marriage, we weren't Mm-mm. understanding of that. And it was so easy to get busy with tasks and disconnect from our relationship. Yeah, And that was, that ended up building a wall or it will build a wall between couples who aren't emotionally connected. Yeah. And just accomplishing tasks together is good, but that's not enough. We've really got to connect with our hearts and uh, our ideas to emotionally connect with each other that that brings uh, that keeps us close together. Right. And and what I I want to make sure that we're being clear about on this. So not being emotionally present will break trust with your spouse. I think it's important to say consistently not being emotionally present because we all have moments where we pseudo listen Mm -hmm. or we uh, we're a little, you know, our, our brain is a little distracted by something going on at work or something going on uh, outside of our relationship. And uh, we're not talking about those occasional right. things. But what we are talking about is consistently not being emotionally present. Yeah. That that breaks trust yes. in a relationship. Yeah. Everybody has 
little moments where we're not present or there's, you know, a little bit of control or whatever, we're not talking about the one-offs or the occasional because you were in a bad mood or you were tired or whatever. We're talking about consistently over time when you're not emotionally present, it breaks trust. Right. And that was one for me too. That was a way that I had broken trust in your, in our relationship because my love style, um, in other words, my unhealthy relating pattern is that of the avoider mm-hmm. and, um, and avoiders, um, avoid any type of emotion of anything. And so, um, to be emotionally present was honestly, a very almost a foreign concept to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was physically present. I was taking care of needs, but and I, and it wasn't that I was incapable of connecting, but I just didn't understand the depth of connection that we could have had. Right, and I do now. Right, because I'm no longer an avoider. Yep. You know, let let's kind of give some examples of disconnecting emotionally. Uh, I'm thinking of a few. Okay. One, I'm home, but I'm not engaged. I'm home, but I'm not really talking with you. Mm-hmm. I'm busy on the phone. I'm just, you're talking to me, but I'm, I'm not even hearing you. I'm checked out. Yeah. That's a way that we emotionally disconnect. Yeah. Or not tuned in to, Yeah. Not being emotionally present. I would say not tuned into how you're doing. Yeah. How each other's doing. Right. I mean, right before you and I got on to record this, Mm -hmm. we had a conversation about how you're doing because you are, you've been through three different medical issues in the last three or last six weeks. Mm -hmm. And, and so I just sat down and, and tried to, you know, Okay, how you really doing? Yeah. And we talked through that. So not being emotionally present would be just moving forward and not tuning into those things. Right. Asking the harder questions. Right. And yeah. not paying attention to the little bids. Yeah. Time in, you know, day in mm-hmm. and day out. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, another way that trust can be broken in a marriage outside of infidelity is leaving conflict unresolved. You mean if I hope the conflict just goes away, that's not <laughs> resolving it? That is not resolving it. That's no. for sure. No. And so, in fact, that's a that's, you know, something that we deal with a lot in our, our coaching as well is, you know, couples going, we never resolve conflict. Right. And so then, you know, we can say, well, then you have broken trust in your relationship. Right. Because your conflicts are not getting cleaned up. Mm-hmm. So they're still think of when you have conflict, it's like there's broken glass on the ground because something got broken. And when you resolve conflict, which is you both own whatever you brought to it. And even if your spouse was 98% wrong and you were 2% wrong. You own your two. And honestly, more often than that, it's 60, 40 or 50, 30 mm-hmm. or 50, 50 or 50, 30. That didn't add up to 100. No. <laughs> um, uh, it's off no matter 70, what. 30 yeah. or 50, yeah. 50. Usually you both are 
when there's been conflict, there's something for us to both own. So we own it. We apologize for it. Uh, ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. That cleans up conflict. And and then that restores trust. Right. Uh, definitely, too, I think along the lines of, of not resolving the conflict, so often we can hoard our hurt. And mm-hmm. we say sometimes, I forgive you, but we've hold, held it in our heart. And that becomes bitterness. And that becomes broken trust. And I would say more often than not, we don't even forgive. Right. Right. We say it, but we're not. If well, we're I don't even think it. we say it. I think yeah. a lot of sometimes we do right. say it, but we hold on to oh, it. Oh, I see. Right. But a lot of times more, I would say more times than not, we don't even realize our need to forgive. Yeah. Which is why you and I say that forgiveness is the most underused tool in our toolbox. Right. Because we need to be using it a lot more often. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, you're right. That also breaks trust. So mm-hmm. what we have to learn how to do is, is how to resolve conflict. And that that's a pretty common, um, sometimes we will have people that will may have a coaching call with us just once or twice, just because they realize we don't resolve conflict very well. And, and they want to figure that out. They, they recognize that this is hurting them, but they don't know what to do. Right. Right. And most of us handle conflict the way that our home of origin handled conflict. Yeah. So think back to that and really evaluate what that was like. It's probably what you're carrying out in your home now. So leaving conflict unresolved, especially if let's just say here's another way that conflict is unresolved. Let's just say you were in a sour mood mm-hmm. and you, you you handle a situation wrong and then you do nothing to come back and clean that up. Right. So we have to be able to, that's leaving it unresolved too, to be able to come back and go, you know what? I'm sorry. I think I got up on the wrong side of the bed. Yeah. And that wasn't about you at all. That was me. I was irritable. I've been irritable all day and I'm really sorry. That right there will restore trust Mm -hmm. when it, gets broken because of unresolved conflict. Yeah. And that makes me think that at times I've even said to you, Hey, I'm uh, a little bit off today or I'm cranky and it's got nothing to do with you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of blocking the potential conflict. I'm trying to manage that. Yeah. And, and help you know that what's going on with me is not about you. And so pushing that information helps manage the potential conflicts. Totally. All right. Another way besides infidelity that trust can be broken is not doing what you say you'll do. Boy, we (laughs) see that one a lot, don't we? (laughs) We do. And again, this is, we're talking, we really probably need to put the word consistently in the front of every one of these consistently or repetitively. Mm -hmm not doing what you say you'll do because we all have moments that we forget to make a stop at the, you know, store and our, our spouse asked us or to run an errand or, uh, to do something, but it's when it's consistent. In other words, it becomes, I can't depend on you. Right. Right. And when I, when I can't depend on you because you consistently say, yeah, I'll do that. 
and then it doesn't get done. Right. And uh, then then that breaks trust. Mm-hmm. And to recognize that that over time, that will cause broken trust in a relationship and um, it will it will cause pain and hurt that needs to be healed. And the only way that you restore broken trust is consistent changed behavior over time. So if you're going to consistently change behavior, you have to start being a person of your word. Right. Right. I think that when we uh, when we say we'll do something and we don't, we really deeply hurt our spouse's heart mm-hmm. and it leaves them very, in, in essence, betrayed that we promised we would do something, but we don't. And often what we might forget. Mm-hmm. We're but- busy. We've got a lot on our mind. I mean, there's a million reasons why. The reasons, this is where we can't argue intent. We have to own impact. Right. Because the impact is potentially huge. Right. It's devastating. The impact is breaking our spouse's trust. Right. One little thing that you said you'll do uh, after another, on top of another, Mm -hmm. over and over. And that begins to break trust. Yeah. I I can't trust you to do what you say that you'll do. Yeah. So if you're a person that, you know, just gets really involved in what you're doing and your spouse asks you, in fact, you and I have had a couple of conversations about this because for a while you would say you would do things and then you wouldn't do them. And I said, can you start figuring out a way to make sure that you are, you have some reminder to yourself mm-hmm. to do it. Right. Right. Yeah. And you started putting things on your calendar. Mm-hmm. You started putting alarms on your phone. Mm-hmm. You started making a list of things that I had asked you about doing. So right. it was like it moved from being empty words or an empty promise to an action that made sure that you took action. Right. Definitely. I remember that. And we saw that actually playing out with our kids as well. Our adult children started telling you, I'm Mm. waiting on dad. He said that he was going to come do this. And I had totally forgotten. And I just realized it was kind of all packaged together. And I needed to, I wanted to You wanted to be a man of your word. I wanted to be a man of my word. And that was really important to me. And so I started setting reminders on my phone, but I also started intentionally just doing it right then. Mm. Did I want to do that? No. Would I have rather have just stayed idle or gone about whatever I was doing? Yeah. But do I want to be a man of my word or do I want to be a man who's focused on himself? And I wanted to be a man of my word. Yeah. So, yep. So that is a way that trust can be broken is not doing what you say you'll do. Yeah. Um, Another way that trust can be broken in a marriage outside of infidelity is keeping secrets or being unwilling to share passwords. Yeah. Uh, We definitely see this. We experienced that. We experienced it in our own relationship 
particularly mm-hmm. uh, 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, because you were keeping secrets and you were, you had, you locked down your phone during that time, which you hadn't before, but it became kind of locked down. And, and that is a very sure way to right. break trust right. in a relationship. So, well, you, in essence, you put a, a fence around your own life and you say, I'm not going to let anybody in. And we think that we are just controlling parts of our lives. Like, I'll let you in every place else but this one spot. But we don't have the ability to control that. And so we end up blocking everybody out. And a marriage is not designed to function in that way. No, no, not with fences. So your spouse should have a master key to your life. Yeah. If they don't, then it will break trust. Right. Because then the question becomes, what are you hiding? Right. And even if you're not hiding anything, it, it conveys will, that you are. It does. Yeah. It really does. It sends mm-hmm. that message. Yeah. And once you start playing around with a few secrets, and I'm speaking from experience, once you start fooling around with a l- few little secrets, those secrets aren't, you can't manage them. You can't contain them. They end up growing. They're almost like all the rabbits that we have in our yard th- <laughs> this year. It's like, where'd they come from? Well, they came from a couple of other ones that it just blew, blew up. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon your secrets are controlling you and you are stuck. Yeah. So we do not want to keep secrets. All right. Another way that trust can be broken in a relationship outside of infidelity is not being honest in a passive way. Now Mm -hmm. we have two types of not being honest. Mm -hmm. One is not being honest in a passive way. The other one is not being honest in a deceptive way. Right. So let's break those down. Yeah, that's important. So not being honest in a passive way might be like saying you're fine when you really aren't or letting things slide. But really, they're pooling. Right. You don't. That uh, definitely that is more my nature in the the old Mark 1.0 that I would be passive and say I was fine because I didn't want the conflict or as fine because I didn't really know what was going on with me. And then I didn't really want to stop and figure it out. So I was fine. I just let it go. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, it didn't go anywhere. It just pulled inside of me. And that's really the other part of what you just said is that you say you're letting it go, but you're really pooling it. Hoarding your hurts. You said that earlier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And eventually that will come out in a ignited aggressive, rage-filled way. Or a a decisive... Unhealthy way. Unhealthy way. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm done with this relationship mm-hmm. type of a thing. Right. And your spouse is left going, wait a minute, every time I've asked you how you are, right. you said you're fine. Yeah. You're not. No. And... Well, like, you should have known that I wasn't fine. And we can't read each other's mind. Mm-mm. We can't know because we're not God. We can't know what our spouse is feeling and thinking until that's communicated. Right. How does that break trust though? Well, I trusted that you were telling me the truth. Right. I trusted that you were as okay as you were indicating. 
right. whether you were verbally saying you were okay, or you were just simply not communicating that you weren't okay. And so that is how that breaks trust. It does. Absolutely. So the other way of not being honest is in a deceptive way, which might be saying one thing and doing another Mm -hmm. or hiding habits. Mm -hmm. So this might be when you are, you know, maybe having a conversation with someone of the opposite sex uh, behind the scenes, but you're just talking. You're just, you just got a friend at work, but you're hiding, Mm -hmm. you're hiding that. Or when you are, you know, oftentimes uh, addictions can be a part of this. Yep. Hiding. I think uh, we've run into this quite a few times with people that we've coached where one spouse or one, either a male or female, they're uh, drinking and they're hiding that from their spouse and the spouse is feeling like, man, something's off. Or the ones who are saying they're not drinking, but the spouse can totally smell the alcohol on their on their breath. Mm-hmm. And and when they're confronted about it, they'll say, no, that wasn't me. I think pornography is one that we can hide excessive mm-hmm. purchases or mm-hmm. hobbies or just there's a, a wide variety of things that we can be deceptive about. And some of them are large. Some can be very, what appears to be very small. But again, that deception won't stay small. It'll grow. Right. All right. Another way of uh, breaking trust outside of infidelity is disengaging in the relationship, which is slightly different than not being emotionally present that we talked about earlier. So Mm -hmm. not being emotionally present is almost just, you're kind of in your own little world, but disengaging is literally like, You've just stopped making an effort. Yeah. You've stopped being intentional. Right. About connecting, stepping into your spouse's world. Um, That would be disengaging. Yeah. I, we do see a common pattern of that in couples we've coached where one uh, is disengaged and the other one tries really hard for quite a while to pursue, to keep setting up the right things. And then eventually they become just incredibly worn out and frustrated Mm -hmm. and they disengage. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something in our minds that says we can live like this and it'll be okay, especially if the kids are around. But before long, that becomes just a deep bitterness that will rob Mm -hmm. relationships. And it also teaches our children the wrong message about love and marriage. Yeah. And it creates huge confusion for our children. Yeah. And it breaks trust. It does for all involved mm-hmm. or all who experience that broken trust or that disengagement. Yep. Another way that trust can be broken in a marriage is not listening. Um, what did you say? <laughs> That was fast. Honey. Yeah, <laughs> that was kind of a common pattern for me for a lot of years, I think. I think for both of us, but from different angles. Yeah. My not listening came honestly out of pride of thinking my way was the right way, the best way. Mm-hmm. I often didn't listen well because of that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what was yours rooted in. Oh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, I think it was a couple of things. One, not stopping to listen. Mm. 
really thinking that I could multitask when in reality I can't Mm -hmm. multitask. Mm -hmm. So not really understanding myself and then when and not valuing you enough to stop and turn towards you and then reflect back what I'm hearing. I've even been working on that in the last year. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, we had a conversation and I was just so angry at myself. And I was like, I have got to figure this out. Why am I not hearing you? And do you remember this? Yeah, I do. And and it was like, I really need to start going. I need to be more engaged about stopping, turning and reflecting back what you're saying, even if you're not asking for a connecting conversation that mm-hmm. I've got to be, I've got to drive that hard. The second thing that I thought about, second action on my part was uh, really selfishness. I'm hard of hearing and I'd be maybe a room or two away from you. And I didn't want to get up and go to where you were. And so out of my own selfishness, I didn't hear you, but I pretended that I did. Isn't that sad? Yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah. Okay, Jill. Yeah, I got you. And then the whole time I'm thinking, what, what, what you say? Mm -hmm. Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. I think in general, also, this is an easy way for trust to be broken because we are, we are a very distracted society. Oh, gosh. Yes. I mean, we have. We have little computers in our hands all the time, right? Right. And so um, we've got texts coming in. We've got YouTube videos we're listening to. We have podcasts we're listening to. There's just always distractions. And so it just, it, it really plays into not listening. Right. And it's an easy way for trust to be broken in a relationship. This also works with the slow fade of minimizing. Oh, right. You and I talk about in our Mm -hmm. No More Perfect Marriages book, the slow fade of minimizing is is when we minimize something our spouse says to us, Mm -hmm. we minimize their concerns, their communication, and that's a form of not listening. Yeah. When you feel minimized by your spouse, so they don't value what it is Mm -hmm. that you are communicating or talking about, it breaks trust. Oh, it does. Yes, it it truly does. How else can trust be broken in a marriage besides infidelity, anger, and rage? Mm -hmm. Now, there's nothing wrong with anger as a emotion. It's God-given. It's what we do with our anger. Mm -hmm. And if we shut down in -hmm. our anger, in other words, we do the silent treatment. Right. That breaks trust. If we let that anger be flint to like a huge fire. Yes. And 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 yelling and screaming or punching a hole in a wall or. Or other forms of violence. Those are all forms of violence Mm -hmm. uh, that shuts down trust. Mm -hmm. And anger and rage is. Most often, I would say, learned from childhood, whether it was even practiced by your parents or you practiced it as a child and your parents didn't help you manage your anger, which became rage. It came with you into adulthood and you're an angry and a rage filled man or woman 
Or a woman. It can happen either way. Oh, it totally can. And I mean, that's what's called emotional dysregulation. So Mm -hmm. when we are dysregulated, because we have to learn how to be angry. I mean, the Bible tells us that we are not to sin in our anger. It doesn't say we're not to be angry. Right. It just says that we're not to sin in our anger. In other words, we are to communicate our anger or deal with our anger in such a way that it does not cause harm and hurt Mm -hmm. to others. What I have learned is because I definitely struggled with anger and rage, our first half of our marriage, anger is not something that I can control. And so it was healthy for me to learn what was fueling my anger before it became anger. Right. I would say that's the biggest, that was the biggest change for you because when we, in, in our early years of marriage, your ang- I mean, you did punch holes in yeah, walls. Broke and, furniture. Yeah. It scared was, kids. Oh. Yeah. I was not, I mean, you never ever touched us, but it scared us. I touched your hearts. Yes. And that uh that was not right either. Yeah, and that was that was very scary because yeah. I did not grow up in a home that had any type of anger being expressed in a it, it wasn't that there wasn't anger. I can remember my dad being angry at times, but it was never expressed in such a way that I felt unsafe right? or um, that I felt like my trust was broken. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, definitely, but you began to start paying attention to when things were bothering you way before the Flint. Yeah. That was one of the things that was really helpful is you started speaking up sooner Mm -hmm. and not letting things slide, slide, slide until they exploded. Right. And I have become more steady and more stable Mm -hmm. since then. And I, I just know that if I allow myself to become angry because I'm not managing those emotions or those behaviors ahead of time, anger will ignite and I will almost become like the Marvel uh, character, the Hulk. (laughs) And he's not a nice guy for me Mm -hmm. or or for anybody around me. And so uh, I just, I don't. You haven't been that in a long time. I haven't. I'm so grateful for. But any way that we misuse anger, it breaks trust. Right. That's the heart of what is important to understand. And a lot of times we, we utilize anger because we're trying to control. We're trying to control behavior, trying to control the atmosphere or the experience. And that control managed by anger is not healthy. It breaks trust. And then the last way that trust can be broken in a marriage besides infidelity is criticism. Yeah. Um, Having a critical spirit, criticizing your spouse, uh, letting your spouse know consistently that they don't do it right, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And sometimes we do that with words and sometimes we do that with actions. Yeah. Like coming behind your spouse and redoing something that they did. That actually breaks trust. Yeah. Being critical, telling them that they're wrong or that they handled a situation incorrectly. And and it's not that we can't give feedback Right. Okay. We're not talking about occasional, valuable, healthy feedback. We're not Mm -hmm. talking about that because we need to be able to give that to each other in marriage. But we're talking about 
just feeling like you can't do anything right mm-hmm. because your spouse picks you apart. Right. And that will break trust over time. Yeah. And that was a part of our story. Yeah. Is when I, you know, I often say I did not cause the affair, but I contributed to the dysfunction in our marriage. How did I do that? There were ways that I broke trust. And mm-hmm. one of those ways was my critical spirit, that yeah. I had a critical spirit. Yeah. I, I too struggled with the criticism, although mine was more silent or passive. Yours was inside your head. Yeah, <laughs> it was. And I think of the slow fade that we teach, the slow fade of not accepting that I wasn't accepting our differences. And so I was very critical of those differences. I worked to change those differences in an unhealthy way. Mm-hmm. And it really created a bondage that you felt trapped and you didn't even know what you were trapped to. Yeah, but very that, true. That criticism that was in my head was breaking trust. Yeah. So uh, a there are a lot of ways <laughs> yes. that we can break trust Mm-hmm. in a marriage outside of infidelity. And I think that sometimes we just need to reframe uh, some of these things because some of them may be happening in a relationship, but we've never thought about it as broken trust. Right. And um, this is really, really a, a topic that's important to us. You and I have, I mean, really, it's the heart of what we do as marriage coaches. It's the heart of what we turned around in our relationship, mm-hmm. right? I mm-hmm. mean, we recognized how we'd broken trust with each other and we cleaned that up and we rebuilt trust with each other. So mm-hmm. it, it is entirely possible to do that. In fact, um, we're doing a free webinar on how we rebuilt our marriage after broken trust. Mm-hmm. And we'll make sure and include a link to that in the show notes. If you're listening to this after the free webinar, uh, after we've done that live, uh, we'll make sure that we switch out the link in the show notes to where you can watch the recording of that free webinar as well. So Mm. make sure you check out the show notes if you'd like to attend our free webinar, How We Rebuilt Our Marriage After Broken Trust, Mm. because it's entirely possible to rebuild your marriage after broken trust. Mm. We are the poster children. We are. Having done that. Yes. (laughs) Yes, we are. Um, And um, with God's help. Yep. Uh, you absolutely can. Yep. So with that in mind, you want to close in prayer? I will. Father, thank you so much uh, for every person that's listening. And Father, uh, I thank you that you break down walls, you break down barriers, you establish a bridge in relationship, you establish success in relationship and you build love. Mm-hmm. Help us to pursue you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over on jillsavage.org slash podcast. I hang out on Facebook and Instagram and would love to connect with you there. You can find me under the name jillsavage.author. One more thing, we have three free eBooks that we'd love to give you. 
You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. See you next week where we'll have another conversation about the real stuff of life and relationships.